0: Well, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Good, good. Hey, my name is Joe, and I'm the youth pastor here at City Church, and uh, oh, thank you. Oh, hey, hey. Oh, oh, all right. Well, thank you um i'm so excited to be here man i'm always honored and privileged when i get to share the stage on sunday morning with uh with pastor eugene and uh we're in our week three series called it's not what it looks like and uh, thank you all for joining us this morning and if you're tuning in online thank you so much for tuning in pray that god blesses you at your home or wherever you're uh logging in online this morning and city church for all of our first time guests can you just put your hands together let's welcome them together thank you so much welcome home it's our saying that we have here and we're so honored that you have joined us here This morning, and uh, in week three of "It's Not What It Looks Like," um, Pastor Eugene has taken us through the next the past two weeks of the life of Joseph, going over his genealogy, where he's come from, and then last week we left Joseph with the cloak of many colors, and uh, he was in the pit, and he's just been sold into slavery. Um, But it's not what it looks like, and I've enjoyed this journey thus far, and I'm really excited to dive into what. God has placed in my heart for you this morning. Uh, And this morning as I was praying for you, I was just really excited because there's a word that's been stirring in me for you that is a trivial word, but it's something that could be uh, hard to execute if we're not careful. You ever heard something in life that was easy to understand but hard to apply? That's the concept that we're going to go over today. This is going to be easily understood, but it's the individuals that apply it to their lives that are actually going to be able to take their next this morning and I know that's everybody in this room I know that's everyone here and so uh, I want to dive right into it because we've got a lot to cover we've got some uh, things that we need to address about the life of Joseph and so if you'll turn into your Bible to Genesis chapter 39 it's where we're gonna pick up our story and uh, in verse 1 this is where we pick up the story of Joseph and it says this it says now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him in from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him there. Now in verse 2, it begins with this, that the Lord was with Joseph. Now whatever you have to do in your Bible, select it on your phone, highlight it, put a a star by it, whatever you need to do, I need you to make this known in your Bible, that the Lord was with Joseph, because we're going to go back to this phrase a few times in chapter 39, uh, because you'll see that in Joseph's transition God is with him and this is really important to see here okay so the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master and his name was Potiphar and as we continue it says Uh, And when when the master saw that the Lord was with him, the Lord gave him success in everything that he did. In verse 4, Joseph found favor in the eyes, and he became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. And this is really interesting, because Joseph, as we say, went from the pit... To the palace, and he's in second command of Potiphar's household. And, and you would think that Joseph has arrived to the destiny that God has planned for him, but it's not what it looks like. You would think that Joseph has arrived, and maybe you're in this room, and you've been a season in your life, and you've uh, said, I have arrived only to be met with difficulty in your next season and you've been knocked off the mountaintop i don't know if you've ever been there but i've been there before where everything's going great then all of a sudden we get a bad report from the doctor or something tragic happens in our lives or something happens and then we just feel defeated and knocked off our mountain anyone have felt like that before i know i have and i felt like that many times and and joseph is experiencing Experiencing something that is going to change the rest of his life. And I've entitled this message, It's Not Fair. It's not fair. Because I believe Joseph says this multiple times. And maybe you're in this room and you are currently going through a situation. And you're saying, it's not fair. Come on, can I pray for you? Father, I love you. We thank you. God, we just pray right now that as we go through this particular topic of Joseph, that you would open up our understandings, open up our minds and our hearts to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not fair. I've heard that many times in my life. I've said that many times in my life. Uh, and the, the more uh, I go to summer camp, the more I hear this phrase, it's not fair. Okay? Okay um we are taking uh, about 104 people to camp this year and so yeah come on and we're really excited about what God is going to do but can I tell you when we get into the thick of the games uh like water polo Jesus have mercy okay when we get into those games uh the resounding theme that I hear a lot is it's not fair And when I hear who it's coming from, it's the students that are saying it's not fair because the the referee missed the call, it's not fair, or the other team is cheating, or something happens, and they say, it's not fair. And the moment that I hear them say that, I begin to see how it affects their attitude, and you know what? They retreat into their feelings and their emotions of anger and offense because something just happened, and it's not fair and it distorts their perspective, it distorts our teamwork, because now we're not focused on competing and winning, now we're focused on anger, and that person did me wrong, and this is not fair, and then we just sulk, and when we sulk, we tend not to win. Can I tell you, some of us in this room, we've said it's not fair, and we've retreated into our feelings, we've retreated into our attitude of of anger and of of bitterness and of offense. And when we retreat into that, guess what? We lose sight of the goal and the mission that God has for us. And we are winners in Christ. We are meant to win. Why? Because we serve a Savior who has won. So because he has won, we win. But how many times do we say in life, it's not fair, and then we retreat, and we, oh me, and oh my, and I don't know what's going on right now, and then we lose sight of what God really wants to do in our lives. I believe in this transition in in Joseph's lives. he said a couple times, this is not fair. But let's see how Joseph handled the unfair situation that he is about to go through. So in the next few verses, in verse 6 of chapter 39, this is what happens. It says, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. And the verse that we're missing here, the attachment of verse six, is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You ready for this? Come on, Jesus, I feel the spirit of God in this verse. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. Ah oh, my oh, Jesus If that doesn't make you shout, I don't know what will. Because my name is Joseph, and I'm well built now. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry if your name's not Joseph, but my name is Joseph. Triple threat. Come on, baby. My wife is shouting me down on the front row. Let's go. Jesus, I, can't, I don't even know if I can move on from that verse. I just, I just felt the spirit of God in there. Anybody can relate with Joseph in the house? Any, there it is. Bam. Thank you, Joey, because his name is Joseph. Come on. All right, let's move on. That's not where I wanted to stop. All right. Verse 7. After a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. I don't blame her. And said, come. (laughs) Stop over there. (laughs) Says, come to bed with me. There's a temptation that is now presented to Joseph. And Joseph has an option. He's got two options. I can either give in to the temptation or I can run in the opposite direction. And Joseph runs in the opposite direction. And so one day, um, the wife comes back in again and sees Joseph alone. And she grabs him by his garment and says, lie with me. And Joseph, we see here, doesn't negotiate. There's no passivity in it. He runs in the opposite direction. Now, if we can just pause here for a moment, and let me just let everyone in the room know we are not to negotiate with the temptations that are in our life. There's no negotiation, there's no passivity, there's no seeing where the lines can be blurred. There is just running in the opposite direction to Jesus when temptation is at your door. Because our Bible says that sin is crouching at your door, waiting, waiting, and it's up to us to say, not today, Satan, and run in the opposite direction. So Joseph ran in the opposite direction of that temptation. And so she grabs this garment and she takes the garment to the people of the house and to her husband, Potiphar, and says, look at what you've brought into this house. Joseph has tried to force himself on me and take advantage of me. And she accused Joseph of something that he did not do. And this is how Potiphar responds when he hears the news. In verse 19, it says, When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me, Potiphar burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, where the, uh, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And this is important that we recognize that he's in a different prison than everyone else. Because as pastor said last week, it's a setup. Because Joseph wasn't in the regular place where prisoners were held, where thieves and common criminals were. He was in the king's prison. It's very important that we recognize this. Now, we have to pause here. Because if we're not careful, we will just skip over the significance of what just happened to Joseph. This word, garment is mentioned six times in this particular passage of Scripture. Six times. So it's pretty important that we recognize that this garment was not just a regular garment. Oh, you got to stay with me. This is good so the garment represented Joseph's status. It represented his authority, (laughs) his position. It was, you could say, his identity in Potiphar's house. People recognized Joseph by the garment. See, if it wasn't the garment, and if it was just a handkerchief, if it was just something uh, that had no significance, it couldn't be attached to Joseph. So we know that the garment was significant to Joseph, and it was used to deceive Potiphar to accuse Joseph of something that he he didn't do now listen to this this garment that was used to deceive Potiphar there is another cloak that was used to deceive someone else I wonder what that was oh the coat of many colors oh stay with me there's the coat of many colors was used and was acted as a deceiver for Jacob, his father. Remember, his brothers bloodied the coat and said, hey, listen, Joseph is dead. He's no longer with us and presented it to Jacob. Jacob tore his clothes and it deceived. And that coat represented Joseph's identity, his status, the love of the father. And so this next garment also represented his status and his favor and, and his posture and joseph has just been stripped twice of who he was the first time he was stripped of the cloak as pastor said last week it wasn't that he wore it on the outside joseph wore it on the inside now again the garment is stripped from him yet again one time is bad enough now joseph's been stripped of his identity for the second time One time is bad enough, now twice. But Joseph knew it's not about the garment that I wear, but it's who I am inside that defines me. My identity is not on what clothes me, my identity is who God is inside of me. That is my identity. Because some of us in this room have been stripped of our status. We've been stripped from our job. We've been stripped of many things in our lives. And yet some of us in this room can't imagine going through that again. Joseph went through it twice. And because we know the end of the story with Joseph, we can cheer Joseph on. Because we know the end of the story. The reason why we cannot cheer our own story on is because we don't know the end of our own story. We don't know what our end story is. So it's difficult for us to really trust in God. Can I tell you, Joseph did not know the end of the story. We know it. Joseph didn't. He's walking through this, not knowing or understanding why he is going through what he is going through. Ladies and gentlemen, your identity is not found in your family, it's not found in your marriage, it's not found in your kids or your finances, it's not found in that, it's found in God. And if your identity is found on what you mask yourself with, when it is stripped away, we will see who you really are. And can I tell you, that is why we need to know who we are in God. Because things will come and go, but our God will stay forever. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. See, I told you this thing was trivial, but it's going to be hard for us to apply this to our lives because many of us have been stripped of things and we're broken and hurt and we're, we're leaning into offense. But our God says, hey, it's not what you cloak yourself with that'll get you by. Won't you wear the cloak on the inside. That was a phenomenal word from our pastor last week. Wear your identity or who God says you are. Can I tell you, just for me personally, if I'm Joseph, I'm never wearing a cloak or a garment again. I'm like, give me a button-up shirt. Give me some jeans. Like, you ain't pulling anything else off me for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm wearing something that's fitted I'm not getting anything that's blowing in the wind so somebody can snag me. The devil is a liar. I'm not doing that. Come on. I believe Joseph was going through some of the worst experiences of his life here. But listen, it's not what it looks like. Listen to verse 21. It says this. The Lord was with him. This is the second time we've seen this phrase in the transition of Joseph's life. The first one, he was sold. The second one, now he's in prison. But it says that he's with him and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. Listen to this. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph. Three times we hear in Scripture that the Lord was with Joseph. There's significance in things repeated in Scripture. So let me help you understand this for a moment. Whenever anything is repeated three times in Scripture, it means completeness or wholeness. So in other words, the Lord was completely with Joseph. He wasn't partially with Joseph. He wasn't kind of with Joseph. He wasn't surrounding Joseph on the outskirts. He was with Joseph the entire time, completely, fully. God is with you completely and fully, no matter where you think you are right now. He's with you. He's with you. And when God is with you, you will find favor wherever you go. You don't have to force the door open. You don't have to negotiate your way to the top. Joseph didn't say a word when he got in prison. He didn't say a word to the prison guard and say, hey, listen, do you know who I am? He said, I served with Potiphar. I was second in command. He didn't say a word. His character led the way. See, my pastor told me this a long time ago when I first got here. He said, your charisma will take you places, but your character will keep you there. Your character will keep you. And Joseph's character put him in places that his charisma could never take him. And we are so fixated on how well we speak. We're so fixated on our degree and who we know. And God is not worried about any of those things. He's worried about your heart. He's worried about who you are, not what you clothe yourself with, but who you are on the inside and who he says you are this morning. Joseph was faithful in every season, regardless if he was in the palace or the prison. He was faithful in every season of his life. Remember, he's in the king's prison because though he's in prison, it's not what it looks like. This is a setup. And we don't realize that what we're going through is a setup. But listen to this. In chapter 40, verse 1 through 4, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase. Is that okay? So a cupbearer and a baker, they offend the king of Pharaoh. Okay? The, the king of Pharaoh. They, they offend the king who is Pharaoh. Okay? And when Pharaoh gets offended, he don't like that. So he sends people to prison. He's like, you hurt me, you're gone. Okay, so he sends them to this prison. It just so happens that they get placed in the same prison where Joseph is, and Joseph is responsible for overseeing the cupbearer and the baker in this particular prison. Now, is this a coincidence or what? Okay, this is crazy, right? Like, ah, Jesus. Joseph doesn't know it's a setup. He doesn't know, but he stays faithful. It's really important in this room this morning that you may feel like it's a setback, but you must remain faithful because it is a setup. You must remain faithful. Remember, this is trivial, but it's hard to apply. It's hard to apply. But man, what would it look like? I know I'm skipping to the end, but hear me. What would it look like if every person in this room looked at their situation and said, this is a setup. And I'm going to stand firm in my faith. Your family and your neighborhood and this city would look completely different if we knew that what we were going through was a setup. Oh, oh, stay with me. Stay with me. One night, this cupbearer and this baker, they're in their cell and Joseph goes over to their cell and says, hey, you guys look troubled. What's going on? You guys all right? They're like, nah, man, actually we had this crazy dream. You can read the dream for yourself. It was a pretty, pretty crazy dream. And, and they're like, we're trying to find out who can interpret this dream for us. And Joseph's like, yo, don't all dreams belong to God? Tell me your dream and I'll interpret it. Now, This is important because we take for granted that Joseph is about to interpret these dreams. We don't realize that Joseph stayed faithful to God, and because he was faithful to God, he was able to interpret these dreams for these two prisoners. Because Joseph had every right to be bitter, to be angry, to be hurt, to be offended. He had every right, right? It's not fair that he's in prison. This is injustice he's accused of something he did not do he could have he could have crossed his arms and said you know what god get me out of this situation because you know what i'm not supposed to be here in the first place i don't even know why i'm here so and so did this and so and so did that and you know what i'm here and god go get them and fix them and and we could be so we, we could point our fingers at so many external things that we forget you also have a decision that you need to make in your prison You have a perspective that needs to shift that you can remain faithful or you can lose faith. And it may not be fair, but you must stay faithful. It may not be right, but you must continue to have hope in our God. Can you imagine if Joseph stayed hurt, offended, broken? He never would have had the opportunity to interpret the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker and never would have stepped into the role that God had for him all along. He never would have. And you know it's fascinating about this and how this applies to us? Joseph had two people that were in prison with him And the people in prison with him were looking for someone to interpret their dreams for them. They were looking for somebody that had giftings in order to release them from their prison. How many of us in our prison, in our hurt, in our defeated posture, have people in our prison with us that are looking to us to use our gift to release them from their bondage? But we're so fixated on what we're going through and our hurt and our offense that we miss the person that's next to us, that's looking to us to say, I need someone to use their gift to release me from this prison because we want to be released first from our prison, then we'll go back and release them. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. When Jesus saved the world, he had to die first in order to save the world. For you and me, sometimes we will not be released from our prison, but that doesn't mean that we need to shut up. That doesn't mean that we need to cower back. We need to say, God, I'm going to be faithful in this time of unfairness because there's an employer. My kids need me to stay faithful faithful oh come on somebody your kids need you to stay faithful your siblings need you to stay faithful your spouse needs you to stay faithful because they're in prison with you and they're waiting they're waiting for somebody to give them hope they're waiting for somebody to release them from their prison some of us stay in our prison of offense and blame others for where we are let's remind ourselves that our God is with us and even when it's not fair we're going to stay faithful listen offense is such a prison that we lock ourselves in we lock ourselves in offense is really one of the main reasons why people in church leave and they don't want to go back because they're hurt someone said this and someone said that Listen, I heard this quote, and hopefully this helps you. It says this, Robert Madu said this, that offense is an event, but being offended is a decision. Offense is an event, but being offended is a decision. You have a decision to make. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's not fair or it is fair. What I'm saying is regardless if you're saying it's not fair, we have a decision to make and respond in faith to who our God is because he's with us through it all. It's not fair, but you are not forgotten. You are not forgotten this morning. God is reminding you this morning that he is with you through it all. Come on. Sin. It may not be fair, but stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in your faith because the hard truth is this. In Isaiah chapter 7 verse 9, listen to this. It says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. If you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. See, we have false foundations in our world because, again, we use... um, Uh, We use our foundation for our our kids, and I'm standing firm on my business. I'm standing firm on my finances, and that's my security. I'm standing firm in my relationships, but those things come and go, but faith will will never leave you. It will stay by your side when we activate that faith. Listen, too many times in church when we put our foundation as materialistic things, and then things get rocky, we fall to the ground. That's why we don't put our faith in money. We don't put our faith in those things. We put our faith in our God so we can stand firm through it all and if we don't have faith to stand firm as scripture tells us we will not be able to stand at all but the good news is we have someone that we can relate to We have someone who was done unfair things to, injustice surrounded him. Matter of fact, he was beaten and he was bruised. He was whipped. He he was crucified. He was murdered. And you know what? That was all not fair, but he still decided to go to the cross for you and me so that way we could be forgiven of our sin. His name is Jesus. We we have a high priest that can relate to us and our weaknesses. When we're on the mountaintop in the valley low, he is a constant in our lives we can relate to him because he stayed faithful in times of unfairness when he had every right to say hey angels come get me off this cross this is not right but he chose to stay because of you and me at this point in life joseph is trying to wrap his head around why am i still in prison He's interpreted the dreams of both the cupbearer and the baker. And the dream that he interpreted for the cupbearer favored the cupbearer. He said, listen, you're going to be in Pharaoh's house in the next three days. All is good with you. But listen to what Joseph says in verse 14 and 15. It says this, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out Of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. You don't think Joseph was saying, this is not fair. Joseph was absolutely saying, this is not fair. I don't deserve this. What am I doing here? I don't know about you, but hear me. Maybe you're not in a season where you feel like things are not fair. Maybe things are really awesome for you, but you know what? You're going to go through a season where you're going to say, this is not fair. You're going to go through a difficult season. It may be all good now, but we will go through hardships. And that's not speaking negativity into your life. This is life. We have troubles. We have trials. Jesus said in this world, you're going to experience troubles and trials, but know that I have overcome the world. We're going to experience all of that. So if this message is not resonating with you at this moment, I hope that when you go through something, this message would resonate with you. That when it's not fair, stay faithful. Stay faithful in those times, because you may not know the end of the story, but just know it's a setup. Just know God's got something bigger and greater for you. Listen, when I did, when I did security for a, a few years in my life, um, I did not like it at all, okay? I was the mall cop in the mall. I didn't like that. I not like it at all. I wore a white button up shirt, and, and no, I don't even want to talk about it. It's bad, it's bad memories. I'm still dealing with healing from that, okay? I'm still dealing, all right? Don't judge me, okay? And so I'm processing that. But for five years, I was security. And you know what? Here's the reality. I had so many people speak into my life. I had so many people say, God's got big things for you. I had dreams. I had visions of what God was going to do in my life. And, you know, when I tried to apply to different places, it was shut down every single time. And I thought, it's over. You can ask my wife. It's over like, God is not going to open up this door for us. That's it. We moved down to Sanford, you know, over a little over five years ago. And uh, though I didn't like my job as security officer, I remained faithful to that job. And I climbed up the ladder faster than anyone else in that particular organization. Then when we moved here, I became the youngest director of security ever in our company's history. I was the youngest person. And at that point, I said, I have arrived. I said, God, you're not opening up a door for me to do ministry. So you know what? I'm just going to thrive where I am and I'm going to grow where I am. And I I stayed faithful to security. And to the point, I still didn't like it. I said, I couldn't believe I'm still wearing this outfit every single day. I don't want to ride the scooter. Okay? I didn't want to do that. And so... I just remember one day and I and I remember I stayed faithful here in teaching I was over the young adults and and I was doing security and I didn't realize that this was a setup for what God had for me because I thought it was a setback I'm like God I've been turned down multiple times nobody called me back they didn't return my phone calls like I've applied I've done this I've talked to people and nothing has worked and it was the moment where I stopped asking and I started to continue to be faithful where I was that God decided to open up a door that would blow my mind I didn't expect it I didn't see it coming but what I thought was a setback was actually a setup for what he had in store for me and you know what the setup is I'm right here this morning I'm here this morning I'm the youth pastor of a growing thriving church because it's a setup. Be faithful where you are, and God will give you favor for wherever you go. I'm living proof of that. I'm living proof of what God does behind the scenes. You may not see it, but behind the scenes, he's working. Little did I know, Pastor Glenn and Pastor Eugene were having conversations about the guy that's the mall cop that's running Waterford Lakes down the road. They're having conversations. Can he do it? Should we bring him in? Because Pastor Glenn had be the youth pastor for 10 years. Who's the guy that comes in? And for me, can I just interject reject this for a moment I didn't have all the experience in the world I didn't have a degree coming into it I didn't lead a ministry but more than six students in my world I didn't have it but you know what you don't need the worldly experience for God to promote you promotion comes from God it doesn't come from man it doesn't come from people it comes from God Never in a million years would I have imagined being part of such an amazing ministry, amazing students that we're taking over a hundred kids to camp. Come on, I'll shout if no one else shouts because it wasn't in me. It was God in me. It was God who saw it through. Come on, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever position you're currently holding right now, if you would just see it as a setup, it may take you five years, it may take you six years, but my God, stay faithful when it's not fair. Come on, I didn't think it was fair when I lost my job only two months after being married. I didn't think it was fair that I was out of work for four or five months and my wife was the only one that was supporting us. I didn't think it was fair. How do you think it was fair that I couldn't find a job anywhere else But oh my god I stayed faithful even in moments where I said it's not fair listen Joseph said this ain't fair this ain't right no one is saying that you got to be blind to your situation no one's saying that it may truly be unfair but what is your decision this morning What's your decision? You have an opportunity to say, hey, listen, I know it's not fair, but I choose to be faithful. I choose to believe that the Lord is with me. Joseph tried to get out on his own efforts, on his own volition. He tried to, but he didn't. Listen to this. It is our perspective in the prison that will lead us to our freedom. It is our perspective in the prison that will lead us to our freedom. Joseph had a decision to make. I can sit here and sulk, or I can believe God that he's going to work it out. He can work it out. See, in this moment, Joseph was not seeking the position. He was not seeking the title. He was just seeking the face of God. In this room, it may not be fair that you're not yet in a relationship. It may not be fair that you've tried to have kids and it just hasn't worked out. It may not be fair that someone else got that promotion and, and you didn't get it, you've been overlooked. It's, it may not be fair that your kids are not really being developed the way that you want them to be developed. And it's, it may not be fair. But can I tell you, and this is important, and we do have to stop comparing Our lives with someone else's life. Because when we get into the dangers of comparing, we start sinning because we start coveting somebody else's blessing. And for us, we need to be content and where we are, and that God will see us through this. It's how we respond in the season that will determine our setup for the next season. Don't be so hasty, ladies and gentlemen, to get through this season. This season has more value to it than you know. Say, how can this difficult season bring value to me? The reality is we do not grow the most on the mountaintop. We grow in the valley. If you really want to grow, you're in the valley. And in the valley, you're not comfortable. In the valley, there's no shelter. In the valley is where it's difficult. But this is what I tell my interns comfort and growth cannot coexist. Comfort and growth cannot coexist. So do you want to be comfortable or do you want to grow? And if you want to grow, God says, let me take you down to where all you have is me. Let me take you to a place where all you have is me. Joseph needed to get to the place where all he had was God. He was stripped of who he was he was stripped of his status and identity he was stripped of his family his brothers his father he was stripped of everything and God said it's because I want you to know that I am all you need come on do we know in this room he is all that we need and God is more interested in your development than he is in your arrival he's more interested in your development than he is in your arrival we want to arrive. We want to get through it. We want to get past it. We want to get over it. But God is saying, I'm going to take you through it because what I have to show you is going to mold your character. It's going to mold who you are. Let's see that development process in our lives. You know, when he told the cupbearer, remember me, listen what happens. It says in chapter 40, verse 23, it says the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him the cupbearer forgot Joseph. And listen to this, and this may shock you. Thank God the cupbearer forgot Joseph. I'm glad the cupbearer forgot Joseph. You wanna know why? Because if the cupbearer remembered Joseph in that moment, within that hour, he would have told Pharaoh, yo, there's a guy that interprets dreams and he's awesome, he's amazing. You should release him to go back to his land. And if the, if the if Pharaoh hypothetically said, all right, let's release him to go back to his land, Joseph would have never stepped into what God had for him. Because as we're going to learn later on, Pharaoh then had a dream. And you know who was there? <sighs> but had he been released, Joseph never would have set foot in Pharaoh's palace. My God, you know what? That person or those people have forgotten you, they've hurt you, and you know what? It's not fair, but stay faithful because we know a God who'll never leave you, never forsake you, and he has not forgotten you. You're on his mind. He loves you. So, hey, I don't want to put my trust in people. I want to put my trust in God. I don't want to put my trust in the things that I clothe myself with. I want to clothe myself with the identity of who God says I am. I am a child of God. And whatever God has in store for me, I know that I sit at the king's table. You sit at the king's table this morning. Did you know that whatever God eats, you eat. Whatever he has, you have. You know, the sad thing is this, is that some of us sit at the king's table, yet we're starving. We sit at the king's table, yet we're starving. God says, hey, what I have, you can have. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If it happens in heaven, it can happen here on earth. So I clothe myself with the identity of peace. I clothe myself with the identity of prosperity, not physically, but spiritually, because it's not what I put on me that defines me, but it's who I am inside that defines me. I'm a child of the king. My identity is found in him.